morning. Welcome to our worship service this morning. We want to welcome all of our guests, visitors, and those listening on radio. I have several announcements before we start our service. First of all, I want to say thank you to Sharon for that beautiful piece to start our service this morning. Several announcements. The white rose on the altar this morning is in honor of Aidan Dickey, who will be receiving the sacrament of baptism this morning. Aidan is the son of Derek and Jessica Dickey. Today begins the season of Advent, and with that in mind, we'll be serving communion up front at the altar this morning. Following worship this morning, we'll be decorating the church for Christmas. So obviously, the more help we have, the quicker it'll go. usually takes about an hour or so. In the Heritage Room, our poinsettia is to be delivered to all the shut-ins at home and also those that are in retirement homes. You can see the list on the back of the bulletin. If you are able to take one to one of these people, please pick it up today. You'll also notice that there is a sign-in sheet over there that will allow other people to know that that person or person persons has been taken care of already. The Giving Tree is also up in the Heritage Room and benefits our daily bread community center in Lima. And also this morning, First Church would like to extend our love and sympathy to the families of Daryl Cook and Reverend Marvin Durick. You'll be able to greet the Cook family today in the ministry center from 2 to 6 p.m. And his memorial service is Monday morning at 10.30 a.m. here at the church. Reverend Durick's family will be receiving visitors in the Heritage Room on Tuesday morning at 9.30 a.m., one hour prior to his celebration service here at the church that morning. There are numerous other announcements in your bulletin. I'd encourage you to take the time to look them all over. And now to start our service this morning, those who are able, would you please rise and join me in our call to worship this morning. This morning is taken from Psalm 146. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, my soul. I will praise, praise the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. Do not put your trust in princes, in human beings who cannot save. When their spirit departs, they return to the ground. On that very day, their plans come to nothing. Blessed are those who help, whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord their God. He upholds the cause of the oppressed and gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets prisoners free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the foreigner and sustains the fatherless and the widow. But he frustrates the ways of the wicked. The Lord reigns forever. Your God will sign for all generations. Praise the Lord. Please remain standing for our praise song this morning. Raise a hallelujah with O Come, Let Us Adore Him.
be seated. At this time, I'd like to call Brad or Brian and Krista Hoagie family to come forward for the lighting of their first Advent candle. Today we begin is the beginning of Advent, the time we prepare to celebrate Christ's birth. We are here because God's promise to our ancestors came true when Jesus was born. God continues to keep his promise through the presence of his Holy Spirit. God will keep the promise to come again in glory. Our first scripture is from Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light was dawned. We light this candle to proclaim the coming of the light of God into the world. With the coming of this light, there is hope. Because of Christ, we not, we not only have hope for this life, but also for life eternal. Our second scripture is Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has also made you an heir. Let us pray. O God, uh, we thank you that Jesus brought hope into our world. Uh, You still bring hope to people through the promises of your word. Help us to be ready to welcome Jesus Christ so that we may think good thoughts and do good deeds, so that we may be a people of hope in our world. Amen. Derek and Jessica Dickey, as well, and their son Aidan James uh, for baptism. I'd also like to invite forward Jordan Rapking and Ryan Vanderhorst, their godparents. Morning. It's a little crowded up here, isn't it, this morning? But that's a good thing. That's a wonderful thing. This morning we are here to celebrate the sacrament of holy baptism for Aiden. First, I want to invite you to hear these words from Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. All authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. It's in obedience to this command, the church baptizes believers and their children. On the day of Pentecost, Peter stood and preached the first sermon, and he told the crowd there, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and for your children, for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. See, as we baptize children, it's a, it really is a, it's a response to that call that Christ has placed on us to, 
to proclaim the good news of the gospel. And, and this is one of the ways that we get to do that, to talk about and point to the fact that Christ saves us, that it is his death and his resurrection that, that guarantees us eternal life for all who believe. And so this day is, a, is an opportunity for us to proclaim that over again. And it's an opportunity for you, Derek, and you, Jessica, to, to make that commitment as parents to, to raise Aiden in that faith and to pass that on to him. So when he is old enough to make that decision for himself, he's equipped and, and ready to do that. And so uh, with that in mind, having heard God's gracious promises to us in Christ, do you desire that Aiden be baptized today? We do. Praise God. Obviously, Aiden's a little too young to make any sort of commitment of faith on his own. So as his parents, we ask you the following questions to hear your faith. And it's, and it's that faith that you are promising this day to pass on to Aiden as he grows in the Lord. So Jessica and Derek, do you promise to truly and earnestly repent of your sins and accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord? Do. do you believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, and in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life? Do you intend to be Christ's faithful disciples, trusting his promises, obeying his word, honoring his church, and showing his love as long as you live? We do, with God's help. And will you devote yourself to the church's teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers? We We will, with God's help. Amen. And we as a church family have an opportunity this day to reaffirm the commitment we've all made to the Lord. Uh, The words of the Apostles' Creed are printed in your bulletin, and I encourage you to repeat those words together with me. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day he rose again, and he ascended into heaven, is seated at the right hand of the Father, and will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit the Holy Universal Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let's pray together. We thank you, O God, for the gift of life. We thank you for this family and for this child being baptized today. You, Lord, are the author of life and the giver of every good and perfect gift. Through the death and resurrection of your Son, Jesus Christ, you've made it possible for us to be accepted into your family. I pray that you would bless and sustain this child. Draw him to yourself, just as Jesus welcomed the children during his ministry. And may he grow to love you with all of his heart, all of his soul, all of his mind, and all of his strength. And we also pray for these par- his parents, that you would equip them to fulfill the promise they make today. Bless and sustain them as they teach their children to know and love you. All this we pray in the name of your beloved Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. So now that you have presented Aiden for baptism, we ask you the following questions before God and his people. Do you promise to instruct Aiden by word and example with the help of the Christian community in the truth of God's word and in the way of salvation through Jesus Christ? Do you promise to pray for him and teach him to pray? And do you promise to nurture him within the body of believers as citizens of Christ's kingdom? We do. Amen. Amen. Now we at church have a part to play in this as well. Uh, we are we are called as as a local church body, but as well as the the body of Christ as a whole, to come alongside this family and support them and to help them fulfill the promises they make today. You know, we we've been spending a lot of time talking about being a family as a as a church, and and a family is there for each other. 
through the good times, through the bad times, uh, through, through the joys of life like we are celebrating here today. And so as a church, we, are, we want to commit to you as a family that, that we want to come alongside you and help you in this commitment you're making. You know, we believe that, that parents are the primary source of faith formation and, and, and for children. You know, that he's going to be watching you as, as he grows older and is going to be watching what you do and, and how you carry yourselves. And a lot of what he picks up, good, bad, and otherwise, are going to come from you. But as a church, we want to come alongside you and help you, equip you as parents so that you can pass that faith along to them. We want to be there for him as well as for you in any way possible. And so with that in mind, church, we have a promise and a commitment to make as well. Brothers and sisters, as we receive Aiden into Christ's church, I charge you to nurture and love him and to assist them to be Christ's faithful disciples. With joy and thanksgiving, we now welcome you into Christ's church, for we are all one in Christ. We promise to love, encourage, support you, and to help you know how to Amen. Aiden, you going to come to me? Oh, yeah. Good to go. Aiden, James, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. Let's pray together. Glorious God and Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for the free gift of salvation that is made available through him in his death and his resurrection. Thank you for the symbol of baptism, which reminds us that as you you wash away our sins and give us new life as we put our trust in you. We pray for Aden. Bless and strengthen him daily with the gift of your Holy Spirit. Unfold to him the riches of your love. Deepen his faith. Keep him from the power of evil. Enable him to live a holy and blameless life until your kingdom comes. May he grow to know, love, and serve you with all of his heart, soul, mind, and strength. Look for kindness also on Derek and Jessica. Let them always rejoice in the gift you have given them. And with the presence of your Holy Spirit, that they may bring to Aiden, may bring up Aiden to know you, love you, and serve you and his neighbor through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. We also have a, a little gift for you guys as well. As you guys go and find your seats, I want to hand this off to you. This is a, a Bible for you guys to take home and, and read with Aiden, as well as the certificate of baptism. And after the service, if you'd like, there's a white rose on the altar for you guys to take home and remember this occasion as well. Congratulations. Yep. Lost in our service in South Carolina. Corporal Darian A. Sanchez, 21, from Miami, Florida. Corporal Gilberto J. Colon Rodriguez, 21, from Ponce, Puerto Rico. In North Carolina, Staff Sergeant Elliser Nate Cortez Peck, 30, from North Beach, Maryland. And in California, Corporal Malik Ajane. Peterson, 25, from Manassas, Virginia. Let's pray together. Lord God, you are the giver of every good and perfect gift. 
You are the giver and sustainer of life, and it's a joy to celebrate that this morning on the first day of Advent, the day that we look forward to and remember the coming of your Son, Jesus Christ, not as, a, not, not as, as we often expected, as, a, as your people expected, like a conquering king, but as a, as a child born in a manger, born in the lowliest of circumstances. You came into this world to redeem us to lay down your life, Lord Jesus, so that we may be forgiven. Lord, we thank you for the gift of life because it does bring hope, Lord, hope of a future, hope of, of possibilities to come. And this day on the first day of Advent, we reflect on the hope that we have in you, hope that is based in the sure promises of your word and in the, the gift of, of salvation through Jesus Christ. We ask, Lord, as we, as we begin the Advent season, as we celebrate um, the birth of our, of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, Lord, help us to hold on to that hope, Lord, uh, and hope that, we, a hope that we one day will all be with you in eternity. Lord, we, we lift up our, our concerns to you this morning as well. Uh, Lord, even in the, the joy of new life and the joy of the beginning of the Advent season, there's many here in this room, many listening on the radio whose hearts are heavy, uh, whether it's Maybe it's the first holiday season uh, without a loved one at the table. Maybe it's another difficulty at work or with family or just a health problem, Lord, that, that won't seem to be resolved. Lord, we ask in all of these things that your will would be done. Lord, that you would sustain each, each person represented on our prayers and concerns list as well as those who aren't. Lord, uh, we ask that your spirit would bring hope and peace and joy and love even in the midst of uh, the most difficult circumstances. And Lord, we ask that uh, we put our trust that our, in you that your will is better than ours and that your uh, will is what we need in our lives. And so we, we entrust ourselves to you. Uh, we, we lay ourselves at your mercy and your grace, Lord, and, and ask that you would be with us because that is the greatest need we have is, is your presence in our lives. We lift all these things up to you in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. I invite you at this time, if you're able, to stand with us and sing number 395, Teach Me Thy Way, Lord.
be seated. Lord God, I thank you for this opportunity to give back to you. I pray as we collect this offering this morning that you would help us to see that, that our giving to you is, is in itself an act of worship. Help us to, Lord, uh, ask, Lord, that you would bless this offering and, and use it to further the work of your kingdom here in this place. And we thank you for each person that is able to give uh, and ask that you would bless them in return. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Invite those who are helping with the offering at this time to come forward. Thank you.
Now the reading from Romans 13, starting in verse 11. And do this, understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber, because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. You may be seated. Lord God, I ask that you would Lord God, we ask that you would uh, bless the reading of your word now at this time. I ask the Lord that you would uh, help us to open up your word together and that your spirit would guide us and help us to uh, understand what you We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. this better? Can anybody? (laughs) Okay. Well, we'll make this work, won't we? (laughs) All right. Um, We will, uh, can everybody hear me if I? Hey, we will make this work. All right, so today, oh, there we go. Today is the first Sunday of Advent, uh, and and really, Advent does mark the beginning of a new year. If you were to follow the Christian calendar uh, today, December first, uh, the first Sunday of Advent is technically the the first day of the new year in the Christian calendar. So, Happy New Year to all of you, whether you realized it or not. The interesting thing about New Year's is that there's a lot of hope wrapped up in that, isn't there? Hope of a, you know, we have New Year's resolutions, we, we, wrap, up, we wrap ourselves up in uh, uh, trying to make ourselves better by committing to live certain ways and do certain things. And so uh, New Year's really is a, is a time of hope, a time of anticipation and, and looking forward to uh, what may come. Uh, and so today we're going to be talking about hope. That is the first of our themes in, in Advent and the first one we're going to be looking at here this morning, hope really is, a, is an important thing for us uh, as Christians. Uh, in Hebrews chapter 11, this great passage on, on uh, the heroes of the faith, it opens with a comment about what hope really is. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. See, hope is there's, there's, a, there's a sense of hope of, of joining in on something, of, of wanting something that, that we don't quite have yet, right? We hope for things that we don't have. We, we, have, we set our sights on things that are not yet here. And, and, and the story of the Bible, the story of, of God's work in the world is a story of hope. 
uh, all the way back in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, the very first pages of the gospel, we get a hope. We get hope. Even after sin entered the world and, and, and as, as God is, is uh, telling Adam and Eve and the serpent the ramifications of, of that first sin, we get this passage about, uh, about God speaking of the serpent. He says, you will strike his heel, speaking of, of Eve's offspring, but he will crush your head. That's what uh, a lot of people call the first gospel. That, that's the first passage of hope, even, as, even in the garden, even as sin is entering in the world, there's a hope that God will set right the wrongs that have been made. We see hope in the story of Abraham, who was called to leave his home and go away to a far away country. There's hope in the story of Joseph, where God provided a way for his people to survive the famine that had taken Egypt and the promised land. There's hope in the story of Moses, of God rescuing his people from slavery and leading them to that promised land. In fact, in Deuteronomy Deuteronomy 18.18, God promises to raise up a prophet like Moses. There's hope in the story of Aaron and the temple sacrifices. God would cover their sins through the sacrifice of a lamb. And in fact, in Psalm 110.3 and Zechariah 6.13, God promises to raise up a priest that will serve forever in his presence. There's hope in the story of David where God would establish, that God would establish his kingdom forever. In 1 Samuel 7, 13 and 16, God promises David that one of his descendants would sit on Israel's throne for all time. There's story in, or excuse me, hope in the story of Isaiah, a suffering servant that will redeem God's people that servant will be beaten, pierced, and crushed so that we may be forgiven. And there's hope just in the prophets in general, over and over again, speaking of that one day God will return and establish justice and righteousness on earth. See, Jesus is our hope. He's the one that all of those stories are ultimately pointing towards. Jesus was and still is our greatest hope. The Old Testament looked forward to and and foreshadowed the birth and the death and the resurrection of Christ. And Advent is about us leaning into and, and living out that hope, reliving and retelling that story to a world that desperately needs to hear it. Think of the how the angels announced the birth of Christ in Luke chapter two to the shepherds. In Luke two, as the shepherds are are standing in the in the fields, the angels suddenly appear to him. And they tell them, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. There will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger. See, that hope was finally fulfilled in Christ. That child born on that Christmas day brought hope into the world. And so we now as a church live between, in a sense, the two Advents, the coming of Christ at Christmas and also looking forward to the return of Christ one day. Our hope not only lies behind us in what Christ has already done, but it also lies in front of us in what he will do to establish his kingdom in its fullness. And that's what hope is about. It's that looking forward, that anticipation of what God has already promised to do in his word. Unfortunately, we sometimes misplace our hope, don't we? Our hope is, we place our hope in the wrong direction or in the wrong things. And, and, and 
once again, the story of Scripture is, a, is an example of what misplaced hope looks like. Even the disciples thought, God's people and even the disciples thought that the Messiah was going to be this powerful political leader who would come and, and wipe out Rome and once again establish Jerusalem as the capital of God's kingdom. That's even what the disciples expected to have happen after the resurrection. In Acts chapter 1, as, as Jesus and his resurrected glorious body is about to ascend to the Father in heaven, they say, all right, is now the time when you're going to establish the throne? There were misplaced expectations or misplaced hopes on who Jesus was going to be the first time he came. And now there are, we often misplace our hope in other things today as well. We place our hope in ourselves rather than in God. We place hope in things like money and power and success. And this idea of what a perfect life would look like. I was just having a conversation with my brother who was up here from Alabama over Thanksgiving and, and we talked about how, you know, this idea of, of having that perfect health and weight and exercise regimen, right? We always say, well, after the holidays, right, I will start eating right. When I get back from that vacation, I will start exercising. We always place hope somewhere else that, that if we just do those right things, then everything will work out for us. I want you to think about, fill, fill in the blank for me here with your, with your own idea. If only blank were different, I'd be happy. If only this were different, or only if this thing in my life changed, then I'd be truly happy. Whatever you fill in the blank there, that's what you're placing your hope in. That's where you're finding your purpose and meaning and joy. And I hate to break it to you, but if it's anything other than God, we're missing the point. If it's anything other than Christ and, and the hope that we have in Him and the salvation that He offers, then, then we're, we are placing our hope in something that will ultimately disappoint us. So the question then is, what is hope? What does it mean to put our hope in Christ for our joy and our salvation? Well, first of all, hope is not wishful thinking. I mentioned this a couple weeks ago. You know, hope is not just, just positive thoughts that we just throw out in the air and, and hope that one day they come true. Wishful thinking does not have the power to truly change anything. Christian hope, the hope that we're talking about here today, is, is the sure confidence that's based on the, on the certain promises of God that are found in Scripture that lead to a changed life. And so there's three things that I want to highlight for us today. One is that hope is future-oriented. The second is that hope is God-centered. And the third is that hope is actively pursued. And so we see here in our Romans 11 passage that hope truly is uh, future-oriented. It says, And do this, understanding the present time. The, all re- the hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over and the day is almost here. See, this hope that Paul is, is referencing here is, is a hope that we have yet to experience. It says the night is almost over and it is... Not yet here. Our salvation, Jesus' return, is closer with each passing day. First Peter chapter 1, verses 3-5 through 5 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is all that is ready to be revealed for the last time. You see, the Bible talks about salvation as both a as, as a, a past, a present, and future experience. 
So, so it's a past experience. Christ died on the cross for us. That is a, a fact that has already happened. That, that salvation has already been accomplished through Christ and his death and his resurrection. And there's nothing in this world that can change that reality. But it's also a present experience. It's something we must receive for ourselves through faith. Christ died on the cross, but we as, as individuals must receive that for ourselves and put our hope and our trust in Christ. But it's also a future experience because there is still an aspect of that salvation that will be fully realized when Christ returns. And we can all acknowledge that for ourselves, right? We live in a world that is still affected and broken by sin. Christ came, he died, he rose again. We received that gift through faith. And yet we are still living within the reality of a sin-affected world. And so when Christ returns again, he will set that right. He will make things perfect. The new heaven and the new earth with God at its center. And so we look forward to that. Our hope is in the, the reality that one day that will take place. Romans eight twenty two through 25 says, We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we are saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Right? We hope for what we don't have, that, that future restoration of all things. That one day God will return. God will send Christ and, and he will establish his kingdom in its fullness. That hope then is, is, is future-oriented. We've not obtained it yet, but yeah, we, we set our sights on that promise and hold on to it for ourselves. So, so hope is future-oriented, but it's also God-centered. All right, our hope is not in ourselves. It's not a pull-yourself-up-by-your-bootstraps mentality. Our hope is in Christ and in what he has done for us and what he will do for us according to God's word. Romans chapter 5, verses 2 through 5 says, And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that sufferings produce perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who he has given to us. Notice there, what is our hope dependent on? Our hope doesn't disappoint us because our hope is grounded in God's promises to us. It's grounded in the fact that God's Spirit now dwells within His people. He's given us His Holy Spirit as a guarantee that His promises are true. And that God will do what He promises to do in His Word. See, God does not lie or change His mind. Isaiah hit on this point in Isaiah 40 verse 8. He says, The grass withers and the flowers fail, but the Word of our God endures forever. And then later in chapter 55, he says, My word goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. And so we can trust that our hope is in Christ because what he promised to us in his word is true. God's not going not to change his mind. If God said it, it will happen. And so we can find our hope in God's word and what he's revealed to us there. And so we must respond with humility and with trust. Humility to align ourselves with God's will and not our own. And trust that he is a loving and powerful God who wants the best for us. So our hope is future-oriented, it's God-centered, but it's also actively pursued. Notice here in, in Romans 13, 
he goes on to say then, because of this hope, because that day is almost near, he says, let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality or debauchery, not in dissension or jealousy. Rather, clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. Right? As we wait for the Lord, as we wait for him to fulfill his promises, we must live as if they're already true. Waiting on the Lord and believing and trusting in Him is not a passive state of being. It's an active one. We're called to actively pursue Christ as we wait on Him and as we find our hope in His Word. And so the question is, how do we wait on the Lord? What does it mean to wait on Him and, and truly believe the promises He's, He's given us? First, it says right in that Romans 13 passage, we need to wake up. Right, Verse 11, we need to wake up from our slumber. Many of us just coast through life on autopilot, don't we? We just go through the motions day in, day out, and don't truly believe or don't truly act like we believe that God's word is true. See, God is patient with us. He is patient, but his, his patience is to, in order to draw us to himself. Second Peter chapter 3, verses 8 through 9 says, Do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. See, God's patience means that, that he desires for us to turn to him. He's patient with us so that one day we will wake up from our slumber and realize how much we need him. And that our hope, we need to place our hope in the promises of his word. And so we need to wake up, and as I said, we need to live as if as if his promises are already true. Live as if Jesus is king and we owe him our ultimate allegiance. Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 14 says, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ who gave himself up for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Notice here it says, because our hope is in Christ and because our, our hope is future-oriented, we must live presently as if that is already true. Set aside the things that, that separate us from God and, and live for him in response to that grace and that hope that we have. So we need to wake up we need to live as if it's already true. And finally, we need to rearrange our priorities. I want to leave you guys with a question here to think about this morning. How would your life change if you knew that Jesus was coming back today? What would you do differently today or tomorrow? How would your plans change if you knew that Christ's return was imminent? I think that's a question we all should ask ourselves. Right, we had we hosted a family here this week for Thanksgiving. We had, my, as I mentioned, my brother and his girls. My parents are still here with us, and that was a full house. Right, we knew that family was coming, and so Allie and I knew we had to get the house ready, right, for them to arrive. We had to plan ahead. We had to we had to clean up. We had to make the guest room uh, presentable again. We had to we had to do all that stuff to get ready for company to arrive, because we knew when they were coming. We need to prepare ourselves for when Christ returns, right? We need to be ready for his return. 
What priorities in your life would change if you knew Christ was coming back today? You see, we need to invest in what is eternal, not just what is temporary. 2 Corinthians 4.18 says, Fix your eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the hope that we have in Christ. I pray now that you would help us to uh, set our sights on you. And even as we prepare our hearts for communion, that you would uh, help us to set aside any distractions and focus on you this morning. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. As we prepare our hearts for communion, I invite you to stand with us and sing the marked verses of number 123, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. serving communion at the altar. So I want to give you a few instructions before we pray. Uh, If you are able, we invite you to come forward down the center aisle. There'll be two stations here, Pastor Tori and I on one side, as well as Glenn and Chad on the other. Um, As you come down the center aisle, feel free to go in either direction. Uh, One is not better than the other. Uh, They're both the same bread, same juice. Uh, and we invite you to, to take the elements, the cup and the bread, and then take that back to your seat and partake with the, with the elements uh, when you are prepared and ready to do so. Uh, there's also going to be, uh, Stan and Carolyn are going to be having a tray to, to head out. If you are not able to come forward, they will bring the communion elements to you. Um, if they, uh, if they're, they're going to try to keep a lookout and see who's moving, who's not, and, and, and find you in your pews. If for any reason they do not see you, please try to get their attention or let one of us know, and we will make sure that the elements make their way to you this morning.
so with that in mind, I invite you to pray with me as we prepare our hearts for the Lord's Supper. Lord God, I thank you so much for uh, this day. I thank you that you have given us hope in Christ. And that is what these elements represent, the hope we have in you, that your body was broken for us, your blood was shed so that our sins could be forgiven, that you have welcomed us into your family and made us your children, and that we have that hope of eternal life now to comfort us and to see us through our days. I pray as we take these elements to our Uh, take these elements that you would remind us of the ways that we've fallen short of your glory. Help us to confess those things to you, repent of them, and turn towards your grace. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, just one more note as well. Uh, I'm gonna, what we're going to do as we get started is I'm going to uh, serve our, our elders and Pastor Tori that are going to be helping with communion. As soon as they're done and in place, we invite you to come forward then uh, and make your way up front. As Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 11, he said, I've received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and having given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink it, do so in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So all who have received Jesus as your Lord and Messiah, we invite you to take this sacrament to your holy comfort.
pray together. Lord God, I thank you for the gift of communion, which is a reminder. It's a a symbol of the love that you have for us in Christ. Lord, help us to set our sights on you. As we leave this place this morning, help us to find hope in you and in you alone. And may we live accordingly. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. You may go in peace.